Hello and welcome to Dead Idea Valhalla, episode 38. It's the variety podcast of music and comedy and opinions by Gary Butterfield. Uh, it's no coincidence that I am Gary Butterfield and that's why I'm introducing this show. I have had a real shitty couple of weeks and I have likely shitty, shitty months ahead of me. Not due to anything I'm ready to talk about on the podcast. I probably will at some point since I kind of use this as a, a therapy kind of thing that's available at any time for one reason or another. But uh, because of that, I just wanted to you know do a little uh, logistics and then go into uh, this week's episode. So as I had mentioned before, the second season is going to be wrapping up. Um, the podcasts are going to continue to come out kind of sporadically. Uh, you know, so this one's coming out this week, next weekend, I'm going to try to record the last two. The last one is really long and epic and neat. Uh, they may not come out next week or right, you know, one week after another though, because I'll have to cut them out or cut them down or cut them together. Cutting something together is kind of an interesting idea, but, um, yeah, the, the season two will be done by the end of the year. And then, uh, you know, it'll be reborn in some way, shape, or form. But because I have those rough months ahead of me because of my personal issue and huge life change that I'm not talking about on here yet, uh, probably going to take a couple months off. So, uh, yeah. And in the meantime, uh, at the back half of this episode, I've got the last part of the 88 lines about four, probably about four women that I've done with Zach Rouse. It's the second kind of grander installment of that. So when I'm ready to kind of come back with podcasts, it'll probably be with maybe, you know, a couple of those as a special. Maybe I'll have, uh, you know, Zach on right away to finish those off. So I'm, I want to talk about school. I'm wrapping up this term. I've only got, you know, years and years and years left, probably. I'm only taking two classes a term. And I'm trying to pair a fun class with a not fun class. Uh, my not fun class this term is writing research papers. I It is really not fun, it's bullshit. You know, I've said it before, but it's really hard to imagine being a real person in the real world and having someone come up to you and say, hey, you know, you had to write a bibliography. Yeah, fuck you, no I don't. You know, I, the, my reaction is really uh, negative to this kind of thing. I also don't give a shit. Like they're trying to tell me that, you know, I can say anything I want and I can contribute to the literature of all these different subjects. You can write about comics, and you can write about video games, and if you want to, I I don't care. I <laughs> I, I can't. You know, it's partly because of this thing, like I said, I'm going through. But man, I don't not give a shit about uh about anything right now. So academic writing, not not my favorite thing right now. I'm getting through it though. I'm almost done. The class I decided to do for fun is this this role playing games as literature class. Talked about this a little bit. I'm gonna repeat myself a little bit. But man, is it, it's a noteworthy thing. So the, the teacher, it's, it's this Chiron course. It's these things that PSU does. Chiron was a wise centaur uh, in ancient Greece. So PSU has found its wisest centaurs in grad students who want to teach classes about things that PSU does not offer classes on. And the guy teaching it, I really like. Like I think his name's Jason. He's a really nice guy. He's pretty funny. He's got, he's smart. And he's got a point. Like, the, the things he's trying to say, the ideas he's playing with are really interesting. But like all, you know, all human endeavors, like Occupy Portland or like 
the survivors in the mall and dawn of the dead or any you know, all great human endeavors are doomed to be destroyed by humans uh, and that is the case in this class as well um, you know the first week I went in I was having a bad week anyway I was really stressed out really stressful time at work and I go in and, and I don't know what I expected like I like role-playing games I like you know I like Dungeons and Dragons and Shadowrun and all these games I think it's it's tons of fun I'm interested in all those genre elements you know, I'm, I'm a huge, huge nerd, um, has been, has been established. Um, so I like all this stuff, but I don't know if I was just projecting. I thought there'd be more people kind of like, like me who are not hardcore stereotype gamers, but as I, I was divested of that assumption as soon as I came in, because as soon as I went to the room, like it smelled really bad, like really, really bad. Like it smelled like just like, like rotting, like crotch that has been left out too long. You know, like it just, this terrible smell. And, uh, you know, you could tell like some of the people, you can kind of tell whether it was them, um, you know, but lots of, lots of patchy beards and, and big fat dudes. And it just, you know, just really stank. And that, that was very unfortunate to me. Lots of stained shirts. And what about it about like being into this culture also goes in hand in hand with not wanting to take care of yourself. Like I, you know, I spent a lot of time in bands and that kind of, Kind of culture and i'm very familiar with people who who want to smell bad like it's this badge of honor like i hey you know i i don't care and i need other people to know i don't care and th this is it it's kind of punk rock i understand it there's a small part of me that respects it the bigger part of me is just kind of grossed out by having to smell you know fucking dick cheese in in public like why why is that why why should that you know it just it's, it reminds me of uh, of smoking. Like there's a comedian who has a routine about smoking where he says, you know, putting aside all health risks, like it makes you fucking stink. And it's totally true. Like all day at work, you know, people come in, they've been smoking, and they just smell terrible. And it just it's this weird commitment you make to to smelling bad that I don't get. Like I smell like chemicals. Like I smell the way people should, like soap and chemicals and. And at the very, you know, very worst, I smell neutral, you know, like I walk into a room, I don't have this herald of, of gaseous, you know, ball sweat, uh, preceding me. So, you know, I, I don't really like that part of it. And then, you know, they open their mouth, like the, the teacher as kind of a, you know, it's role-playing games as literature. So he's trying to define his terms and he's talking about uh you know what is a game what is literature what is a story and every single thing these these people in this class they wanted to just discount everything that he brought up like if you could find one exception to anything he said that was worth saying better if it came from an example in your own life is the attitude you know if i had to kind of like put together a profile for the stereotype it's like one you want to tear down the point that anyone is making because it'll make you seem smarter. And two, your own life is the most important and only touchstone to, to judge anything by. You know, so we're talking about games and stories and someone, you know, one of the more reasonable people or someone was like, a story has a beginning, middle, and, a, and an end. Can't argue with that. You know, that's, you know, you can if you want to get into experimental literature, da, 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 you know, whatever. But it's it's not an absurd point. You know, it. I can, okay, sure, you know. But, but uh, there's, there's one guy there named Beard Mountain who, who happens to be the, the worst smelling of the, the gentleman in the class. He's a, he's a man of carriage, uh, like two of myself. 
and uh, he, he wears the same sweater every week. And, uh, you know, we have class twice a week, so I can't imagine he's sweatering, or I can't imagine he's washing it between Tuesday and Wednesday, and, and my, my nose can't imagine that. But he's also, you know, very, uh, kind of just considers himself very erudite. And just, you know, so story has a beginning, middle, and end. He raises his hand, and he's like, Well, I would be forced to disagree simply because that would discount history, which some would say is the greatest story. It's like, okay. You know, everything that these people say in this class, like, that's how I want to respond. Like, okay. You know, you, you've made whatever, you know, you're making a point about yourself. You're not making a point about the, the conversation we're having. You know, one little tiny exception like that does not move forward the conversation. You know, arguing that it's indefinable and in, in just because of these minor, minor little exceptions. You know, like I would say that history is not like, you know, you could argue is not the greatest story, you know, not for these purposes. And it doesn't have anything to do with games or, or literature, you know, so everybody is kind of aggressively against the subject, you know, in this weird role playing games, like they are such epic dungeon masters that any attempt to sully their hobby with this kind of intellectualizing is uh, an affront to them. Like we were talking about um, all this RPG, like indie RPG theory about like different ways you play role playing games and what you can you can do with it. And and the, there's this contention that like the, the system that you use to play will change the way you play. And the teacher, again, he's on the ball and he's got us playing games that illustrate this point really well. And to me, this is undeniable, but nobody will get on board with it because I feel like they think they're defensive. Like it means that if that's true, then it doesn't mean it means that they're not just such a virtuosic improviser that they can, you know, make anything work for anybody. There's one little guy, there's like a little scratchy LARPer kid with his little scratchy beard and wild eyes. And he, uh, you know, the, the teacher says this, he's like, well, system matters. And he goes, ha, like really loud, like he's Alf. And who, who does that? Who, you know, who, who's worth listening to? Who do, like does this big sarcastic, ha, uh, when you say something, you know, what, what, what place does that have in, in discussion? So everybody's all upset about this very, you know, they have to invalidate the premise at any turn really upset about this this basic idea that you know the system matters and everyone brings up examples about themselves exclu almost exclusively like their point they're trying to prove a point by saying well that's not true because of a game i played last night that this happened no one in the class is willing to consider themselves an outlier in any way you know th these are people who are like epic level 12 dungeon masters and they're, you know, making these grand statements about, and we're, we're talking about, like, grander things in the game. Like, it's not just RPGs as literature. Like, we're talking about literature in general and all this, you know, theory, this idea of, like, what defines a game and ludology and, and how, you know, literature itself can be considered, like, a game. And it's really interesting. Like, you know, I'm not necessarily certain I buy all of it, but it's interesting. And uh, these people are trying to invalidate these points by saying... That's not true because of this one experience I had running a LARP for the world, you know, Northern California's largest association for like 60 people. Like, do you not understand that you are the exception? And I just, I want to yell that at these people all the time. Like I spend most of my time, like, I feel like a major change has happened in my personality in the last five years, four or five years is that I no longer consider myself to be the everyman. Like I do not project my thoughts and opinions on other people. You know, if, uh, 
you know, I recognize there are things, things I feel that are not true. Uh, you know, things like, um, you know, like I, I don't like jazz. I think jazz sucks. I don't think that means it's an invalid art form. You know, obviously that's not true. The problem is with me, if there can be said to be a problem at all, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't speak to me at all. You know, the kinks, I think the kinks are twice as good as the Beatles. Like I, those songs speak to me, Beatles songs do not. I recognize that I'm in the minority and that there's not really a way to prove that either way. So I'm not going to, it'd be like a class on music where the teacher's talking about how amazing the Beatles were. And I was like, well, actually I would have to disagree simply because when I was listening to the kinks last night, I thought the song Death of a Clown was more profound and, and interesting than, you know, I don't know, While My Guitar Gently Weeps or what have you. You know, so, so that happens all the time. And they're gross people. Beard Mountain, who's the, you know, the guy who, who smells like balls left out in the sun. Uh, he's got a, like a little girlfriend. I'm going to call her the foothill of the mountain. Because she's like a little smaller mountain that kind of orbits him. She's annoying too. She's constantly bringing up personal examples of her life and her dungeon mastering career. Uh, to, to try to prove points. But um, last week they came in and they were in heat or something. Like they were rubbing on each other and touching each other. And attempting to, to comb their fingers through the thick matted nests of their hair and and sniffing each other's beards and shit. And the, the class, we had a guest speaker. He was demoing a game. Beard Mountain sat down to play the game. Foothill was sitting behind him. She took off her shoes and she has these little like prehensile monkey Hank McCoy toes. And she's like massaging his back and rubbing his back with her bare feet while simultaneously just like picking her nose, like full bore. I pick my nose. I've talked about it on the show. I like picking my nose in the shower. I'll pick my nose, you know, if I'm at home alone in private and there's something inside my face and it's making me uncomfortable, I will go to steps to remove it. But not in the middle of a classroom, like not even discreetly in the back, you know, behind a book, standing there, rubbing his back with her toes, picking her nose and looking at it. And I would not have been surprised if she would have eaten it. She didn't eat anything that she found inside her face, which, uh, which is great. Uh, don't eat things you find inside your face, but uh, it was gross enough and nobody was noticing, like nobody had a problem with it. And I had this brief thought where like, I know I'm pretty judgmental. Am I the fucking problem here? Like I was thinking about recently uh, furries. Like I, I pretty much hate furries. I think they're, they're pretty repulsive. There's this weird idea on the internet that like, why do people persecute us? You know, uh, you go to like www.tvtropes.com and you're going to find furries who feel like they're, it's just different. It's not wrong or right. Why does, why does everyone get creeped out by furries? It's like, well, because you kind of want to fuck an animal. <laughs> like you're, you're eroticizing animals. Why can't you understand why that's creepy? You know, like you want, I understand like you're not, I mean, I guess there is a thin line between fucking an animal and fucking somebody who's dressed up like an animal but it's still pretty gross like it's still implying something that there's cultural taboo against for a good reason but i was thinking about you know how much i i don't like furries and then thinking about like everyone's racist grandfather and how in the you know racist or homophobic and in like the 20s the idea of gay rights was probably you know 100 you know totally out of left field and those grandparents never would have thought that in the future they would live in a world where they would be wrong for hating gay people. So am I just that now? Like, am I just sitting here like I hate furries? And then in, you know, 40 years, I'll be talking to my grandkids and I'll be like, yeah, fucking furries moved in down the street. And they're gonna be like, oh God, grandpa, would you shut up about furries already? 
You know, they're just like you and me. Or like maybe I'll have to accept like a furry grandson or something like that. You know, I don't know. I don't know what it, what it is. But it's in the, in this class, it drives me fucking up the wall. And, and I feel kind of bad. Like even the people who are gross in the class are nice people. There are some really reasonable, cool people in the class who are taking it, you know, kind of seriously and, and have interesting opinions. I don't wouldn't say they're the majority or at the very least, they're not the loudest people in the in the room at any given time but you know i feel bad just kind of trashing a bunch of uh psu students if i keep doing the show on this pace there's probably gonna be one class a term where i spend <laughs> doing this because it just uh, you know i don't know i don't know it just it uh it, it grosses me out and i kind of hate it But the, um, you know, and this was after, like, I had broken up with, like, I broke up with her in, in high school. Um, I started dating her, like, my sophomore year. I was 16. Um, you know, and that was my first serious kiss and the first time I had sex and everything. And we dated for a little over a year. Um, I, th- I want to say, like, a year and three months. Um, which were, were mostly just kind of, like, you know, weirdly, we just kind of, like, hung out. Like, I'd go over to her house and, you know, sometimes we'd fool around, but then it was also, like, uh, you know, we just like watched, I don't know, Simpsons. And, and that was, was essentially the extent of it. 
you know. Um, and occasionally watch her awful brother make out with his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. She had this monster brother who was just this like skeezy, like skeezy little creeper. Her mom was awful too. Her her mom was uh, just like really like uh, I don't know. Um, her brother looked like though if he sat on the couch he'd leave a residue. Yeah, he, like, he looked like uh, every character in the movie Kids like somehow amalgamated. <laughs> like <laughs> that's exactly what he was like. He was just like this, you know, just drug abusing uh, scumbag. Yeah. yeah, no matter what time of day, it looks like he'd just woken up from, like, uh, the floor of some party he crashed oh, totally, at. Yeah. Totally, totally. You know, and he definitely, like, he looked like he used needle drugs. Like, I don't know if I ever confirmed that, but he's just like, this is a needle drug guy. Like, if you if you saw him, like... <laughs> be, yeah, that's really accurate. Right, that yeah. would be the, the guess who clue for him. Like, if there was, like, my high school guess who, <laughs> your character used needle drugs, and, like, you'd have to guess it was... So, he's done all the heroin, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um... So because it was funny, yeah. No, it's funny that you mentioned that because I actually don't really. I only know of a couple people in high school who'd ever done needle drugs. But if were I to guess, just about anyone we went to high school with, he'd be top one or two on totally, the list. Totally, yeah. totally. And I, I mean, he looked like he looked like a, an extra in, in Train Spot. Yeah, t- <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's he's pretty. I mean, he's it was good that he came of age before the age of math. Like he got support. <laughs> I'm sure one. he's discovered it. Yeah, I'm sure he's yeah. discovered it by he's now. He's not dead. Yeah, <laughs> if the trailer he was cooking it in didn't blow up, yeah. oh, he's he's undoubtedly dead. I mean, there's there's kind yeah. of no way the guy's <laughs> alive. Um, the uh, but man, it was just real, real, real weird experience. You know that that whole thing because like we'd make out and we'd hang out, and I wasn't having that much fun, but I really you know wanted to hang out and make out, obviously. And uh, it wasn't you know I remember like we kind of like you know dated for a couple weeks and. Um, I was in my terrible high school band at the time. Um, yeah. and you know, she came to a couple shows and then eventually like it got to the point where we were gonna, we were gonna do it. And, uh, as much as I don't remember my, my first kiss, I remember the first time I had sex, like obviously. Um, yeah. and it's not, it's not like a, a mind blowing positive memory or anything. It wasn't this like sea change of awesomeness. Like it mostly like was really confusing kind of emotionally. Like I felt really strange after it. Not again, not to, you know, the, my, my pussy showing. But like I, I just I felt like not taking advantage of or anything, but just really like really really weird about it afterwards, um, you know, and kind of kind of shaken in this strange way. Like, and I don't, I've never quite sussed out why that had that effect. And in you know time since, I have had sex more successfully. Like I'm not. I know you feel that way every single time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. every time I do it, it's a harrowing experience. I keep trying, and every time I just feel. Yeah, I just keep, <laughs> tears are the best lube. Like just this, <laughs> um, but you know, at the time it was just really weird. And I don't know if it was because it was like a bad relationship, you know, um, or, or cause, or cause, you know, you made her call you daddy the entire time. Yeah, it and was just like a beast and she dressed. It was because her brother up. was there. And <laughs> no, it was weird because he was jerking off in the corner and fucking shooting up. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think I think shooting heroin and masturbation are about as mutually exclusive as as uh, activities can be. And I'm not sure they go together. I guess that's true. Um, but I, I am I am just guessing that. I, I have no idea. Um, See, I mean, I lost my virginity later and sort of out of high school. But I, my impression on it, especially being a late bloomer, where almost with a handful of friends, none of my college friends were still virgins when I lost my virginity. I was in college. Hand like only a scant handful of my high school friends hadn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, after it happened, 
it was really funny because sort of prototypically, uh, my, my girlfriend at the time rolled over and fell asleep like a bear, <laughs> like the stereotypical man. Oh. So I went out and had a cigarette, uh, uh, and the and the the impression I had was that was a really big deal and not a big deal at all right. in the exact same way. As in that wasn't as big as I'd put it up to be, and yet I really want to do that again right now. Right, <laughs> you know? right. It kind of it kind of just like once it's introduced, like it's like okay, this is this is now a thing. Like it kind of introduces like sexuality is such an important part of your life. Like it's kind of just introduces this whole kind of you know. Yeah. Uh, aspect of your life you didn't know was missing and it's like okay now I have to start thinking about this this has been introduced as a thing well, you know? yeah because it's like yeah I mean it's like adding in it's it's not quite food and breathing and shelter but it becomes this new whole field of sort of need right right in a way and, ob- and obviously yeah, like it's... you fulfill that kind of logistically and physically through you know jerking off every 10 seconds as we talked about before up and yeah up until that point but it definitely takes on a new color once you you know have this kind of dynamic. Yes, <laughs> in someone else. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to. I feel like there's got to be an anecdote or two about high school romance and sexuality that we're missing, but I don't know what it is. So and talking about you know like sex, like just kind of to expand more on that in high school because that's you know we're all new at it and we don't know what we're doing. I think it's really interesting that sex is or high school is kind of the time where you start learning about you know, varsity level sex without having any understanding of context. So, you mm-hmm. know, um, I remember specifically kind of getting exposed to probably like, I, I consider myself to have a wide breadth of knowledge about weird sexual deviancies and fetishes. Uh, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not participatory, but I just kind of find them fascinating. Well, you're sort of a curator of, of, of the internet with specific regard to uh, disturbing and hilarious. Yeah. I, I just, I just find it funny and kind of like anthropologically interesting. And, and yeah. I gained a lot of knowledge about that um, from the internet. This is also when we went to high schools and the internet was kind of getting, you know, kind of booming um, with me and my friend, Derek, uh, who's been on the masturbation superhighway. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, well, not always masturbation, even though kind of shamefully enough times uh, me, me and Derek and, <laughs> and Doug would, would look up things. And that was the time where, you know, Hey, here's a, a JPEG of a girl with a fish hanging out of her vagina. And, and, and it's just like, <laughs> sign me up. Like I had this, I gotta see. And, uh, I remember specifically. I remember specifically hanging out at Austin's house, and he and I looking at, at like porn because he had dial-up AOL and seeing a, a woman with an entire bunch of asparagus stuffed into her <laughs> vagina. It's yeah, <laughs> just, just like the sexualization of asparagus. Yeah, I, we we were totally, and you know, even you know, worse things than that. Like I, I, you know, I'll admit, like other than child porn, which I've never looked at child porn in my life. Every, yeah. every, you know, gross, terrible thing about internet porn I've seen, because I'm, I'm curious, like, I just like, oh, there's people who are actually into fucking dogs. Like, and at the time in high school, I was like, this was a novel enough thing to see. I know it makes it sound like this sounds like I'm covering up for some kind of dog fetishism or that I eroticize dogs. No, and I, under, I understand yeah. that sort of curiosity. And we were exactly at the moment with the internet there where, where we were at least in our... <laughs> Not to give the crazy conservative right any credence, but they were sort of right in some ways, is that if not arousal, then curiosity, you kind of amped up. And it was like the the original era of like viral shock stuff. Totally, totally. Like, you know, where you wanted to see, you know. Yeah, and and style project, you know, and like someone's like, this is a horrifying thing. (laughs) You didn't want to see it, but you did, you know, whether it was 
It's yeah. an extension of Shit. that, like, that locker room thing. Like, that, like, I, I haven't cleaned this gym shirt all year. Smell it. And then, yeah. 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 This tastes horrible. I'll have a spoon. Yeah, give it to me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I, yes, please. <laughs> Which is stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, and it's, it seems like a guy thing to me, mostly. Um, well, and I also think, I also think, specific to us in high school, I think we, we fancied ourselves simultaneously worldly and subversive and above it all. And it was like, can you hang? Can you take it? Can you... Can you look into this and be mortified by the world? You know, I think it added to our jaded, angry mm. 16-year-old, you know, you weren't a pothead, I kind of was. But but that sort of worldview that we were literally too cool, literally for school, right. you know what I mean? <laughs> um, uh, you know, so, so through these kind of like internet explorations, like I learned about like furries and bestiality and all this terrible shit. And, uh, <laughs> but you don't have any kind of context for what it you know means in real life. Like, I remember the first time, you know, I, I became aware of this idea of analingus. Like, I was like, oh, you know, that's fucking disgusting. And it was on par with fucking dogs to me at the time. And I, and I, I remember <laughs> uh, uh, our friend Sparky, who was like, um, had like this joke about it that, you know, it was almost like this kind of studied routine about how, uh, you know, you would do that and you just kind of be back there and just hum, 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 hum. And then, and then just be like, <laughs> is that good? Or are you done? Is that enough? Hum, 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 hum. Is that enough? And, you know, I'm not, I'm not any kind of i'm not a fan of of analingus but i will say that that joke you know kind of bespeaks a lack of understanding because it kind of like one the the premise is that any kind of you know for something to be sexually pleasurable it has to eventually bring about some kind of orgasm or something like that there's an end game right there has to be an end game or else what's the point you know well, I think that's natural to to people who are uh, uh, men who are transitioning from masturbation to sexual exactly with a because that's the only end game. Like there are people who have kind of a more textured masturbatory experience than I do, but to <laughs> me, it's just I want I want to ejaculate as soon as possible by any means necessary, yeah. and that's and that's it. Yeah. You know, there's no uh, yeah, and as often as possible. Yeah, as often, at least yeah, at, at sixteen. At sixteen, yeah. you know, that was that was my you know, as, as, if I could spend like well, it's a it's. Yeah, it's releasing a pressure valve as much as it is a section, right. you know what I mean? Right, so it was just, you know, it was efficient. Like, I got very efficient at it. And, uh, you know, this idea of, like, sex acts for, you know, uh, just for purely for, like, another kind of pleasure or any of, the, any of the kind of texture that makes, you know, sex, like, really interesting and varied uh, was totally lost on me. Yeah, that, that orgasm was winning at sex and everything else was, Losing at you sex. know, build up to, yeah, building up to the orgasm or nothing else right. and that, yeah. But and the other thing, and I think we mentioned this a little in the past, but it's certainly more true in, in high school. And I think you and I, I was a particularly late bloomer. We had friends who were, even though you had a serious girlfriend for whatever, a year, a year and a half, whatever it was. Oh, you're going to say for friends, whatever reason. <laughs> for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I know. You should have been hanging out with me and hating yourself like I was. I was hanging was out with her and hating myself, so. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. But at least you weren't hating yourself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the a lot of our friends were more varied and experienced in sexuality than we were. And it was this weird thing where, at least for me, several of them were envoys. And there was sort of your class. You were the year ahead of me, and you were the big kids. So I heard about sex from Greg and Garrett mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. I heard about it. But what was really interesting was I in my year, I sort of had a, a foursome with Sparky and Brian and Austin. That, that and Sparky sounds like you had me. a pretty varied sexual experience in that case. Right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, sort of. Well, I, mean, I sort of had a. Dr. Ruth says it's normal for teenagers <laughs> to masturbate in front of you. Yeah. I never did. No, I don't no understand. That still doesn't seem normal to me. No. But um, yeah. 
No, uh, and and watching porn in the presence of uh, another another person you don't intend fucking after about age seventeen or so. Right, if it's not for novelty, you know, then it's that it's that sure, efficiency yeah, thing. Sure, it's there yeah. for you know. It has to be, yeah. Unless it's something absurd, like yo, bro, check this out. Right, but it's a tool. Regardless, from that like from that group of four of like my closest friends who were my year, and I think we're a little more stunted and a little more late bloomerish than than you guys were. Sparky was the first one to, to be an envoy into sex. And, and I'm, in some ways, he was, as much as his analingus routine, he was sort of naturally a performer, a man who demanded an audience. And I'm convinced half of his high school sexual experience, like what he was really getting off on while it was happening, was that he knew he would tell Brian and yeah. Austin about it. I remember specifically the first time he, uh, we were both on, on speech team um, and this is just like a tremendously shameful story for for him and for me, <laughs> is that he met a girl on some other high school's, you know, public speaking team and they hit it off. And he was really into her for the same reason, as I said, was she was into him. So that was like reason enough. And he went to some dance with her at her high school. I don't know, homecoming or some some shit. But he came back the next day and of course, like, I was the perfect willing audience member for the Sparky show, specifically with regards to sexuality, but, but sort of, it was a dynamic of our friendship and he came back, you know, you know, with the century back with reports from the front lines, <laughs> you know, and he got into it. And I remember when I think back and it was sort of humiliating, like, I think I asked him very specifically what our nipples were like, which, <laughs> which is just preposterous. Yeah. But but uh, uh, the best thing was he was talking about how this is they a, were a, like a sidebar real quick. I uh, yeah. my first girlfriend uh, the first time I had a blowjob I asked her afterwards what dick tasted like, <laughs> <laughs> like and she's just like yeah. skin and I just <laughs> 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 like <laughs> fascinating. Yeah. Um, but he came back and like I think they got to like. Uh, you know, to use a baseball metaphor, maybe double double A level sexuality, sexual expression. They didn't have sex. I th- I don't even think either of them went down on each other. I think it was an awkward exchange of hand jobs. Mm-hmm. But what he was really amped about was having fingered her. Mm-hmm. And he proudly boasted that like, and this was a day or two after it happened, that he hadn't washed his right hand since <laughs> and he could still smell her on her fingers. <laughs> And, and and fuck shotgun hits. The most shameful thing I think I can I can say about my high school experience was I asked him if I could smell his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> to his credit, he said no. <laughs> well, that's, I'm kind of surprised that he didn't. I mean, uh, you know, because he obviously. I mean, there was that part of you know, know what I think it is was more the homoerotic nature of me smelling his hand <laughs> that smelled like pussy <laughs> than than that he wouldn't. You know, it's so rare that you smell another man's hand for any reason. Um, exactly. Like, you, usually, yeah. if you can smell another man's hand, there's there's a problem. Well, and I was interested in, and I, I think part of the reason he said no was was he was afraid I'd get aroused by it, which was a definite <laughs> possibility. Yeah, just being a. Well, because I was seventeen, of course so you did. arousal arousal was was pretty much possible at any given moment, or exchange, or interchange, or you right. know, but. But I think it was more that I wanted to confirm or deny the like the, you know, Austin had these series of really terrible joke books, like the punch, dirty joke books. And the punchline of 90 percent of them was some sort of 
vagina smells like tuna fish. Right. And I wanted to confirm, <laughs> confirm or deny yeah. the uh, yeah. the reality of Thank this. Thank God that didn't turn which out to be true. Which is unfair because on an unwashed hand for two days, like, Lord knows if I was smelling vagina <laughs> or God. <laughs> just, or just his asshole from him, you know, you know, wiping his ass for two days. Yeah, it's, it's funny, <laughs> too, because that, that speaks to, like, two things that it reminds me of. Like, one being that, um, you know, that idea of your kind of, like, caveman level, uh, you know, reaction to sex. Like, the whole, like, scent aspect is a real, like, chemical, you know, thing. Like, the reason why that would be arousing, it totally makes sense to you to be arousing. But when you're at that age, you put that before any kind of hygiene. You know, like, a, cr- a sure. crotch is still a crotch. Like, you're still, it's still the darkest, sweatiest part of a body and full of, like, you know, bacteria regardless of whether yeah. it's a girl you fingered or it's yourself and just to like have your hand be that unsanitary for a couple of days, you know, now that I'm an adult, I realize that's less important than being able to like kind of jazz myself with this weird, you know, pheromone musk. Every, you know. It's additionally though, it's additionally though. I mean, as you were saying about context for advanced level sexuality, context for sexuality at all, like I am not squirmish about going down on women. Mm. At the same time, I would never eat an ice cream flavor that tasted like <laughs> vagina. <laughs> you know? No, 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 you, you wouldn't. Um, it no, also reminds me no. that kind of. Uh, I like it in the context, right. but man, once you divorce that, right? Yeah. I mean, I think we've talked about this before, but when you have sex with a girl who's on her period, and then don't get a chance to shower afterwards, like every once in a while, you know, you'll be at a urinal. And just like, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's, you know, I don't, uh, hopefully that's not too sexist. Like, I don't think any girl's gonna be like, no, no, it's a beautiful smell. It's a beautiful, <laughs> you know, and maybe they are. I don't know. Because I never noticed, I never noticed it in the moment, but I, I do remember one time, like, literally immediately after period sex, I had to drive from Boston. When I was in college, I had to drive from Boston to New York with a friend of mine who was having sort of a family crisis and needed someone on the on the road with him. And I didn't think about it. And it had been percolating and I hadn't been paying attention. And all of a sudden it's like 12 or 14 hours after I'd had this sex and didn't have time to shower because we had to get on the road last second. I'm taking a leak in my friend's bathroom and I'm like, my God, why doesn't he clean this place? (laughs) And I look down at my dick and it's, yeah. yeah. And then I went, oh, (laughs) that's why it smells horrible in here. It the dick of a serial killer as as a callback to earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Dead Idea Bahala, your source for podcasts, music, comedy, rants, Macy Gray, smoothies, hobos, behendrahenen, and much, much more. Go to the website. Dead Idea Bahala. Come on, join me. Won't you join me?